How has the role of the pathologist changed in recent years? You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. John Brooks, Professor of Pathology and Laboratory Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania Medical School and Pathology Chair and Director for Pathology and Laboratory Medicine at the Pennsylvania Hospital. Dr. Brooks is also the current President of the American Society for Clinical Pathology. Welcome, Dr. Brooks. Delighted to be here. Today, we are discussing what's new in the pathology lab. Well, Dr. Brooks, I'm going to ask you specifically, what's new in your pathology lab? Here at the uh, Pennsylvania Hospital, we have a variety of new immunohistochemical markers uh, that enable better diagnoses, basically, on patient biopsies. That's one thing that's new. Uh, We also occasionally get new equipment, predominantly replacing older equipment. I think one misconception people often have is that machines run without any help and that they always spew out excellent results, etc. We really need highly qualified, trained individuals, laboratory professionals we call them, uh, to operate these machines. Sophisticated machines, uh, one error on the input side will lead to errors on the output side. Now, I don't want to give the impression that there are a lot of errors in the laboratory. Actually, most of our laboratory uh, errors happen in the so-called pre-analytic area. This is when the specimen is drawn and between then and when it gets to the laboratory. Honestly, uh, the the blood can be hemolyzed, the wrong tube can be used, uh, the blood culture can be contaminated by not disinfecting the skin properly, Coagulation samples can be kept at the room temperature, et cetera, and uh, you know get overheated, and the factors get lost. You know all those types of things happen uh, before tissue or specimens come to the laboratory. Now, something that has been questioned by us clinicians is that we are all aware that when we get an EKG, it becomes interpreted by the computer in the EKG machine itself right then and there. Are there any computer models that interpret pathologic specimens, or is that still done completely by pathologists? Yes, it's still done completely by pathologists, Uh, but this is a fascinating point you bring up. There are now just beginning to be not only digital imaging of the slides, which can now be done in certain selected places that have, you know, the wherewithal and the resources. A slide can be put in and the entire slide digitized, and I can view it here on the East Coast, having been sent something on the web from the West Coast. So that can be done, and it's a way that uh, is just beginning where people can consult each other, for example. It's also potentially a way where we in pathology have a little bit of concern that such images could be sent uh, far and wide, uh, you know, across the seas. So in other words, uh, the tried and true tradition of asking the patient, pick up your slides and bring them to me, can you actually electronically transmit 
those same images uh, as they're doing with x-rays now? Not yet, no. I mean, so this would necessitate every laboratory having access to this kind of scanning, et cetera, which is by no means the case. And, you know, it would be five and it could be 10 years coming. But I do see that in the future where you would get, for example, a CD with your slide material on it and not have to worry about the glass slide. And how far in the future uh, do you think that'll be? Uh, I, I'm going to say closer to a decade. While things do happen rapidly, acquisition of actual technology and outlay of capital happens a little more slowly, certainly in hospitals. So I think that's going to be a while coming. In the meantime, you know, for example, the radiologists who have difficulties covering the full spectrum of their specialty at night have sent images, for example, to Australia to be read at night, as perhaps well known. It's a little bit different situation in pathology. Right now, that addressed a need in radiology. In pathology, I think for the most part, American clinicians are happy with American pathologists, and we don't have any gap or vacuum. So we, we do hope to be serving America's clinicians for some time in the future. Now, let's talk about the preparation of the specimen before it gets to your microscope. You know, all of us, when we were medical students and interns, we all prepared some of the slides. Has that had major changes in the technique? It depends on what you mean. There are certain things that can be prepared in the emergency room, for example, a skin scrape to see if there's herpetic skin lesions or a fungal lesion on the toe, etc., Those are preparations which are done by emergency room physicians very well. As to the rest, cytology specimens or biopsy specimens pretty much come to the lab either fresh, in saline, or in formalin, and then we take it from there. If you have just joined us, you are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and we are speaking with Dr. John Brooks, professor of pathology and laboratory medicine at the University of Pennsylvania Medical School and pathology chair and director for pathology and laboratory medicine at the Pennsylvania Hospital. We are talking about issues that are new in the pathology lab. Dr. Brooks, what are particular issues in your pathology lab that you are pursuing? And there are a number of issues, always issues of space, for example, uh, issues related to patient safety and quality. Not many people realize, but you know, pathologists really have a more active role than they used to. Tell me about that. I hope people are feeling that you know, the pathologist stereotype of the past you know, somebody crouched down in the bottom of a hospital in the basement <laughs> with no windows and uh, very thick glasses <laughs> is really not the case. I think most of you are dealing with a fairly friendly individual who you also see on your hospital committees. So we do serve the hospital uh, well. We're we're very good, and those of us uh, with uh, excellent supervisors, as is through many places, have people on many hospital uh, committees, assisting with process. We're very process-oriented people because whatever we do in the laboratory has to be exactly according to the book or standard operating procedure. Even our refrigerators are checked off each day to 
to be sure that the right temperature. I mean, that is the detail that we face commonly in the lab. So when there's a process in the hospital, we can typically say, well, if you just hand those off to this person every day, then the process will work. You know, we have some ideas and we can be of some assistance there. Dr. Brooks, what are the type of specimens which really present the greatest challenge to pathologists? You know, I'm going to say it's on the laboratory medicine side. Certainly there are tissue biopsies, you know, with very undifferentiated lesions that we can diagnose, and we're diagnosing them on ever smaller, tinier samples. But on the blood side, for example, we do have a lot of issues. You know, really the quality of our results depend upon the quality of specimen we get. So if the blood is hemolyzed, if you, it comes in the wrong tube, if there's a problem labeling, you know, anymore we have to, uh, both at the bedside as well as in the laboratory, have two identifiers for patients to be sure we've got the right person. And if there's only one identifier on the label or the barcode is missing in places that have barcoding, you know, this is a problem for the lab. And it's not our fault. And in fact, many times these are requirements by the people who inspect us. So we must reject certain types of samples, for example. And of course, we hate to go back to the clinicians and say, geez, you know, we're sorry, but we can't accept this sample. I know somebody said it was on Mrs. So-and-so, but, you know, we, we need a properly labeled one. Can you do it over again? Are there any new issues in the blood bank in terms of typing and cross-matching and transfusion? Yes. Uh, for example, there are new technologies where molecular testing can be done and instituted. Uh, this is happening at some of the uh, tertiary care centers now, and I'm sure will come uh, to other hospitals as well. So the time-honored way of uh, a type and cross that I have done back in my residency and is still done by hand uh, with you know little drops of anti-A and anti-B, et cetera, is being replaced. But that's a gradual thing, again, requires new technology and investment. Could you tell us a little bit about that new technique? Myself, I'm not sure of the actual you know, methodology because we don't have it here yet. Will this become something that we will see in the future? Yes, I think many laboratories will see it in the future. It's a way of better utilizing our personnel as well. The blood bank technicians are probably some of the highest uh, and most accurate folks in the laboratory because any mistake there can be quite a serious one for the patient. And that's why there's so many checks and balances, why the Red Cross comes in and inspects us, the American Association of Blood Banks comes in and inspects us, and the FDA inspects the blood banks. So three different inspection agencies, not including the general pathology lab inspection every two years. I'd like to ask you a, a final question. Do you think that every specimen has to be sent to pathology, even if it clearly is not going to make a difference in the patient's course? No, and a lot of pathology laboratories have set up criteria and a policy on what types of specimens need to be sent. Hernia sacs, for example, a number of pathologists, as long as they look normal to you know, a surgeon, would not necessarily have to be sent. 
some people will not send certain type of bone chips, you know, for example, a, a knee operation or whatever. However, a lot of those things, uh, there are lots of anecdotal cases in the literature where suddenly a carcinoma or lymphoma or whatever is found in some of these relatively normal-looking specimens. So uh, there is some difference of opinion on that, but by and large there are, yes, certain specimens that no longer need to be sent to pathology. I want to thank Dr. John Brooks, who has been our guest. We have been discussing what is new in the pathology lab. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.